Buenos dias, mis amigos bonitos. What's up, everyone? Hello, all you beautiful people out there. It's your boy Hobart coming to you straight from the beautiful country of Costa Rica. Pura vida mai. Um, Hobart International in full effect out here traveling the world. Um, I definitely just recorded a whole introduction and realized that I had the wrong channel selected for my mic, so none of it went into the computer. So um, here's attempt number two. And, uh, you know, like my brother always says, you never eat the first pancake, you know, so sometimes, you know, you got to go. You guys are getting the second pancake. So hopefully it's a little better, better formed. Maybe I'll be less rambly. We will. We shall see. Um, I've been here for 10 days now. It's Friday, October 1st, 2021. And I'm 10 days in and I am sinking into the Pura Vida life. Definitely feeling the Pura Vida all over. Um, I don't know about you guys, but I know for me, it's been a hell of an 18 months, almost two years. Uh, and I've just, it's been a, it's been a heavy year. You know, I lost my, my father passed away in January of last year and then COVID happened and just been doing a lot of introspection, a lot of looking at myself and who I am and living in my trauma, looking at a lot of stuff throughout my life, doing a lot of churning and a lot of work. And it's been a really, like, a really vulnerable time for me. It's been, you know, as I'm sure many people feel, hard to connect um, and and really hard to show up as the person that I want to be, especially in the bigger social situations, you know, which is someone who can really easily spread their love and connect with people and, and make people feel good. That's, that's kind of the goal. Um, so, you know, after spending all this time doing therapy and coaching and trying a bunch of different things and really just feeling like the difficulty of life, feeling like everything was so hard, the healing was so hard. Um, I really started to get this intuition that I needed to get get down to them tropics and get out of the country and and do some traveling because that always, you know, traveling always grounds me in this incredible way and, and really, like, sets me in this space where I feel like I'm back on my path. And um, 10 days in, I got to say, like, that intuition was right. Like, it paid off. I, I, I've, I've been 10 days here at this place called essence and it's been incredibly healing and incredibly nourishing and i just feel so happy right now i'm like so happy with life and excited for the next steps and um excited for this episode um i am in a region of costa rica called arenal which is kind of like north central um it's named after this giant volcano that I'm looking at right now called the Arenal Volcano, uh, named after a fallen warrior of one of the local tribes of indigenous people that lived here. And it's really cool because it's active. Like I can watch 
I'm watching right now as I record this. Uh, this volcano is just belching clouds of steam out of the top into the air, and just to watch like the living Earth uh, exhale these fumes, it's beautiful. It's like hard not to be caught up in the poetry of it all. Um, the the you know the volcano dominates the area, but you have a big lake as well, and it's just rainforest with tons of birds and toucans and. Uh, it's just really a peaceful, peaceful place to be. Um, shout out, you know, Isaac Schwartz for the for the recommendation. When I was planning this trip, I put it out to the Facebook Hive Mind, and I think you know one of the one of the best uses of that if you're if you must use social media is, is to connect with people and get get insights and recommendations. So. Thank you, Isaac. Uh, this place is just as beautiful as you said. Um, and what is, what is this place, Hobart? Well, funny, good question. I'm glad you asked. Um, Essence Arenal is a magical, hostile retreat center zone of healing. Um, you know, when you travel the world, um, as I've done a little bit of, Occasionally, you're fortunate enough to discover these places. This isn't the first time I've, I've I have. Um, you really only see them when you're out, like traveling. I know that they probably exist in my near my home too, but I don't really think I'm in the same mindset when I'm when I'm in that domestic setting. Uh, but you you discover these places that when you step into them, it's like, they're usually like a hostel or a guest house or someplace you can stay. But when you step in, it becomes so clear that you're entering a person's dream that the walls and the pictures and the people, it's like you're living inside someone's own work of art and coming here to essence, like it's so clear that that's what this is. Uh, it, Everything from like the little signs of information on the wall to the layout of the tables, just to the like subtle uh, inefficiencies that are built into the space. It just speaks of the character of the person whose dream you're living in. And today I have the fortune uh, of bringing you that just that person, uh, which is my guest today, uh, Nico. Botifer. And, you know, Nico, he's, he's my kind of shaman, you know, he's, he's a, 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 a good sized man, you know, uh, with a very easy smile. And, uh, you might see him, you know, puffing on a cigarette in front of the building, which kind of put me at ease. Cause I was worried it was going to be like a very, like ascetic type, very sparse with his, uh, with his dalliances into the hedonism and, you know, seeing someone who takes the earthly pleasures as well as is like incredibly open and spiritually grounded and willing to, to dive in, uh, and explore, like, I don't know, something about it just made me feel a little bit better about revealing my shadow self and like showing my darker sides to this person. Sometimes it can be, intimidating to encounter a healer that seems like they're like a hundred percent healed. Sometimes you've got to see someone that's like in the process themselves. And I think that, 
as you'll hear in this conversation, like Nico's an incredibly powerful healer and amazing heart. And I think he would be the first to admit that he's still in his process of doing his own healing as we all are. So I felt an immediate connection to him. And, uh, you know, over the last 10 days, we've done some therapy sessions together and had some amazing conversations and uh, just really like dove into this place. Um, It's something that I would recommend for anybody out there who is a seeker, who is in a process, who's asking questions, looking for meaning in their life. Um, Essence R and all is like an amazing place to come and do your work. And there's a lot of powerful healers here to help you in that regard. So in this conversation, we, we jump into it. We talk about Nico's story, which is really interesting. Um, and then, you know, how he came to find himself here building this center and, you know, what the, his philosophy is. And we talk about traveling and what the dream is of this place. And, uh, It's my intention that, you know, that this is a, the type of episode that can serve to inspire people and to educate people. Maybe this makes you want to come check this place out. Maybe it makes you want to go check out another place that you've been looking at. Um, but you know, I also, am I do want to like support this place that's given me so much. So, um, I'm also, you know, have offered this episode to Essence if they want to use it in their own promotion. Because I think that when you hear Nico talk, it's pretty clear that the, that the guy is is super super deep and has a really amazing affinity for healing. And uh, you know, I, if there's one theme that I've gotten out of this week, it's that uh, healing doesn't have to be hard. You know, one of the things that I'm sure many people, many of you out there have felt in your life when you're caught up in your trauma, your pain, uh, life gets really hard (laughs) when you're hurting. And I think you can get caught up into this space where because everything's hard, you assume that the healing has to be hard. And when you start to find opportunities that maybe seem like they're not going to be so hard, uh, it's, it's, it can be difficult to trust that it's real or that it's powerful. And, um, and I did it, you know, I did this session with Nico and, you know, when he was describing it, he had this confidence that it was going to help me. And I did have that little voice that came up that was questioning like, okay, whatever, like this sounds a little woo woo, but, um, but I made the decision like, Hey, like, what do I really have to lose if I just decide that I'm going to go all in and just accept that this is healing? Uh, and I gave it, I gave it my full like belief. I put the power of my belief into this, into the, into the process. And in like two sessions in two days of like, you know, just an hour here, two hours there. Um, we made some really amazing things happen. Like I, I, I felt a lot of the, you know, the trauma leave me and a lot of the pain and was able to work through some really tough emotions I've been struggling with for years. And, uh, and it was just, there was just this like moment where, you know, I forget if, if this is even me remembering it right, but Nico 
kind of just in his way offered me to just make the decision to like not uh, live in that space anymore. And it was as simple as like making that decision in my mind to like believe that I was doing that. And suddenly it happened and I felt like this immediate weight lift and I've just been kind of riding high and feeling really grounded and good since then. Um, So enough about me. Uh, Let's dive into the episode. Just want to say I love it here. I have so much love for this place. Please check out Essence R and All. And I hope that all of you guys find this conversation helpful, interesting, and inspiring. Uh, Maybe it'll help you make the decision to get out there and travel. I do want to say that uh, I had a janky microphone cable, so there's some a little bit of digital static at times. I apologize. I know, super unprofessional of me. Um, hope it's not too hard for you guys to listen through. Um, I think one of my mic cables is bad, and I need to get a new one. So it's all part of this learning process uh, that that I'm calling podcasting. So. Apologies, my friends, but hopefully our beautiful voices will make up for the uh, the digital ghost that made its way onto this track as well. The last thing that I will say is that uh, we recorded this during an intense uh, thunderstorm, so you might hear some gentle rain sounds and some uh, you know some thunder. So picture that while you're listening to this. Uh, But here we go. Without further ado, let me introduce to you, introduce to you, Mr. Nico Botifer on this episode 36 of the Bartcast. Great to hear from you. What a surprise. Go. Welcome to the Bartcast, man. Thanks for coming on. Pura vida, my brother. Thank you for inviting me. It's a pleasure to be here with you. I've been so excited to sit down and to talk and to get to share you with my community because I've had the pleasure of getting to know you a little bit over this week and I'm sure everybody's already hearing that I probably have like a bit of an accent even after a week because <laughs> I'm really sensitive to... <laughs> When I'm around, you know, people with accents, but uh, I think a good place to start maybe is like, uh, how would you describe like what your life is, what you, how you spend your time, you know? My life is, I would say, one of the most beautiful things. (laughs) I totally enjoy it from morning to night. I spend all day involved in this beautiful project which is my dream my passion my love so i'm so lucky to be able to be working in what is passion and love yeah and what is that dream for like for someone that's not familiar with what essence is how would you describe it essence is a 80 acre property which was a cattle farm 10 years ago there was barely like five trees on it 
and along the years with this amazing team I have, uh, we made a nice little hotel, a retreat center where we can heal people and help people or just give them the space to find themselves. Um, we made out of a, a permaculture farm, planted over 9,000 trees, We've got over 1,000 different type of herbs and medicinal plants and it is a, a beautiful nature area where nature itself is amazing, surrounded by a rainforest. And the dream basically is to make like a healer's community where different type of holistic healers live here and share their experience or their techniques with other people who like to come and they just can come and choose of different type of healing. It's like a holistic healing mall. Yeah, Pura Vida, my. That's amazing. Uh, what What do you think? Like, what does healing mean to you? Like, what is healing when you think about it? Healing is, I would say, I mean, there are two type of healings. One is like emotional healing, and one is a physical healing. Although I think the physical is consequent from the emotional. Mm. Um, at one point of our life, we could maybe not identify something as it was and we choose to make it a trauma. And from there on, our brain and our emotions are filtered through that and all our actions and behavior go through there. So healing is getting the right balance again in your body, that connection with yourself, with the universe, with other people, with nature, to really get to know the space and the place we need to have in this world. That's beautiful. I couldn't have put it better. Thank you. Um, and it's funny that that relation that you just described between it's almost like a chicken and the egg type of thing because mm -hmm. I know a lot of people who have had physical injuries mm -hmm. that have emotional trauma as the result. Mm -hmm. But then there's also like, like the phenomenon of being in an emotionally traumatized state and that can also lead to physical trauma as well. So the two are so often interwoven and mm -hmm. related to each other. And I was thinking earlier, I just came from playing the first sports I have in three years. And <laughs> I was uh, speaking with Jairo, who works here as well, and was just telling him how when I was younger, like I was so active and I'm still pretty active, but like I used to do acrobatics and I was always doing backflips off everything and <laughs> Uh, and felt like I could. And I've had some pretty like serious ankle injuries in the last decade and just gotten to a place where my ankles are very crunchy. And uh, now my mind, like, I can't do backflips anymore. Like, I probably still could, but like, when I think about it, it just feels so painful. And I see kids like jumping and running, and it just, I'm like, man. How do they do that? <laughs> you know? mm -hmm. But uh, so, you know, it's it's kind of like the, like like I was just saying, like that mind body interplay. It can be a limiting force or a. We call know. that a limiting belief in NLP. What you just said, yeah, that, that you cannot do any backflips. I believe if you practice, if you train, you will could do it again. Totally, yeah, for sure. It's there's definitely like the afterglow of the fear from mm. 
tra- traumatic injuries I've had. Yeah. Um, and wanting to protect myself, wanting to be a good steward of my body, because I think as you start to get older, I'm, I'm right in that you know early 30s phase where I still have the mind of like a 25 year old, and I want to go climb all the things and jump and run and. Uh, I think being a steward of your body is about it's like choosing which activities that I'm willing to accept the risk of injury in. And it's like, I know that I love playing sports and I want to keep playing soccer. I want to be one of those like 50 year old guys who's like at the back of the field talking more than he's playing, but I'll still playing. You know? <laughs> uh, and I know that to do that, it's, it's more of a privilege at this point than a right. I have to do all the, supportive work with yoga with both the, you know the exercise physically and emotionally to be in that state where i can do that mm-hmm. make it sustainable did you ever play any sports growing up oh yeah i love i did soccer i actually here still i played soccer until actually like four months ago really we played almost everyday volleyball you saw the volleyball I, yeah, court we have there volleyball. that was like every afternoon from three to five two hours volleyball Right now, then season picked up, so we don't really have that much time anymore. But yeah, I love, yeah, I go skiing every year. So yeah, I'm pretty active. Soccer, I would play, depend the group. You know, last time I played down here, we did like a competition, and wow, it was like playing the World Cup. <laughs> they really take it seriously. Yeah. So that gets a bit rough sometimes. I uh, I think I don't need that anymore in my life. Right. You're, you're prioritizing <laughs> yes. the sustainable activities. Like you do, like you, you said, like, until where is it worth exactly. the, the possible injury? Yeah. Well, and there are so many amazing physical activities that can still bring great meaning to your life. Mm-hmm. You know, so you, as you start to make those decisions, it can, you know, it's like all these different options paths of opportunity and um it can be you can still get so much joy out of out of different activities my mom like still is like paddle boarding almost every day out on the lagoon by her house Mm -hmm. she's in her 60s and she's Mm -hmm. just going for it and uh that's really inspiring for me to see you know that i can do that um but i'm I'm, i want to get a little more like background like on where you come from and what your story is um and how you how was it that you found yourself here you know kind of being the in some ways like the the papa bear as i like to call you of this beautiful community it's funny because a lot of people call me Papa Bear. Yeah. Yeah, I laughed when you when we gave her the hug and said yeah. Papa Bear. I said, where did that guy get it from? But I think it, your instinct said it, no? Yeah, totally. Uh, well, I'm born in Germany. I grew up in Spain. Um, then, yeah, I was traveling a lot along my life. Um I came one moment to Costa Rica when I was like 18. I worked two years as a tour guide in Costa Rica. I went back to Spain. I did pretty good in real estate, really good years in Spain in real estate. I saw it was a, was a, I made good money and good living, but I saw there was something else, something more in, in life. So I basically sold everything. I bought a sailing boat. I did a captain license. 
and went three years sailing from Europe to Costa Rica. I actually arrived in Costa Rica with a sailing boat. It was more like a social travel because mm. it doesn't take three years to go from right. France yeah. to Costa Rica. Right. But I stopped in many countries, Africa, a lot of African countries, and to see how people live, what people pursue. Mm-hmm. And at the end of the day, I noticed we all pursue the same. Yeah. <laughs> And it was a beautiful, interesting trip. And then I arrived in Costa Rica and started a new life here, which ended up amazing and beautiful life. You were telling me that you, at first you were doing real estate here in in San Jose? When I arrived, that was like 2002, um, I initially opened a real estate company, which also went really well. And then suddenly 2008 crisis came in. Mm. I don't know if you remember. I do, yeah. Man, everything stopped. Nothing was going. So I was like, ah, my world falls together. Oh, I was in a black hole <laughs> and choose to depress and anxiety. And it was actually just a little push from my destiny to mm. bring me up here. Because after like a couple of months there when nothing was going... I said I had the farm. I bought the farm a couple of years before. Okay. It was just like land. Yeah. They had cattle before here. And then destiny brought me here. So Mm -hmm. thanks to that 2008 crisis, I'm here doing this amazing, wonderful thing which helps and heals people. Instead of selling real estate with a jacket, tie, and (laughs) different type of life. An alligator smile. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) When... uh, do you think it was that period of like darkness after 2008 that got you into healing? Was that was that like the catalyst for this change in your path? I think any dark moment in life is a beginning in the new door of a new light. Mm. Um, we choose to make it a bit dramatic at that point because we don't like to go out of our comfort zone. But every time in my life I had a dark moment was well, maybe not that one to made me into healing that one put me into this place here yeah. so that was a beautiful step and then another one another dark moment yeah. got me into healing most healers basically I think they study and learn to heal themselves first right, right. and then say wow well, this worked out so why don't share the information and share the experience I know I what had. you mean like I mean I'm recently healed uh <laughs> doing some work with you and some work with the other healers here. And one thing I can say, you said it like yourself, uh, when we're, when we empty ourselves of the trauma and we have this new space inside of our bodies, um, sometimes it's a conscious choice, but I think that it can even just be like an intuitive thing where what fills that empty space is gratitude. And I know that, in the last couple of days, that feeling of gratitude is really closely accompanied with a really strong desire to share mm-hmm. that with people. And I've definitely had those feelings of like, oh man, like healing people, like what a beautiful, fulfilling, like I see, I see a lot of people engaged in service work of one kind or another. And I think for many, re- for many years, I was always asking myself, like, why? Not that I didn't see the value in it, not that I didn't really honor those people, but I was also aware that I didn't feel the strongest pull in myself to, like, go jump into the service of others. And I think I was carrying a lot of trauma and a lot of feeling like I need to, like, heal myself first. 
So I think about like on the airplane, they always tell you, you got to put the oxygen over your own mouth before you put the oxygen over the person to your, next to you. Good analogy. Yeah. So I do think though, as you were saying too, like one of the first instincts when people heal is like, how can I give this to other people? Like, how do we, sh how can I share this? This is so mm -hmm. uh, flowing. You want to make other people feel that way. Yeah, that's right. I, I totally feel your healer's energy though. You're a healer too. Mm. Maybe you do not play with it a lot, <laughs> so, but I'm pretty sure you'll soon do. And I'm pretty sure you did before and maybe other types, but I can see that healing energy in you. Thank you. Yeah. I, I do feel like when I'm in my flow, when I'm like feeling really good about myself, and when I'm feeling really happy, there is that strong desire to share that happiness with people and to to engage when I see someone in pain to even if I can just lighten the load a little bit or just like remind them that there's nice people and love and positive emotions available for them um, and I have thought at different t times in my life of studying a, you know different therapy I love to talk what we're doing right here so i love to listen as well um so it's something i have also been thinking about the last couple of days and uh especially after doing like the timeline therapy with you i was wondering maybe just for all you out there listening you know me and nico over the last week we've done a few sessions of this thing called timeline therapy that i have experienced some really amazing results from and uh I was wondering if maybe you feel like sharing a little bit about what it's about for people that might not know. Um, maybe someone hearing this might get interested, mm -hmm. do some research. Yeah, it's a wonderful, wonderful therapy, actually. Uh, and it was really beautiful to do with you because you're a very mature soul. So it was really smooth and really <laughs> nice and effective. I loved Thank it. You. Uh, timeline therapy is basically a kind of semi-hypnotic stage it's spoken to your unconscious mind because the unconscious mind is actually who encapsulated certain traumas most of the time when we kids and some event happened which we could not really digest let's say that way the brain to protect us just encapsulates it and put it somewhere in your body and so you don't even know where it is it's a protection system from your brain which is very important although it's also good to release at one point because that was when often we were two or three years old and does not need to apply anymore when we're 20 30 or 40 right so it's a good time maybe to let it go and not filter our actions through that event which is somewhere encapsulated so that timeline therapy helps to go back to that moment without associating and just letting it go and the way you can let go those emotions is basically by just taking lessons and learnings your brain will not be able to compute an event as a trauma and as a learning that does not work so we'll choose either trauma or learning mm. if you just take enough lessons from that event which there always are every event you can take some positive lessons which help you in the future suddenly your brain will let go easy and effortlessly and you have it gone yeah, and that was like one of the biggest takeaways for me was like 
we were just talking about it right before we got started, but one of the insights I've had over the last couple of days is, you know, for those who are struggling with trauma and caught up in their pain and in one of those dark holes, uh, everything is hard. You know, life is hard. Challenging. Yeah, challenging. That's uh, more fun. Challenging yeah. is more fun challenging than hard. Challenging is more fun for sure. But when you're in that state, you... I know I did for many years assume that the healing, well, that's got to be hard too for, you know, like for it to mean something, it's got to be hard. It's got to be lengthy. I know when I sat down with you and we had the consultation and you were telling me about it and you had this con- this confidence about it. You're like, I will be taking these things out. We will be getting rid of these traumas. We will be changing. You won't be feeling it anymore. I had a little bit of skepticism because I was like, hey, this sounds too easy. <laughs> you know, I'm used to things being hard. Uh-huh. Uh, but when I went in to start, I made the decision that I was going to just believe your words. Uh, I said, why not? What can I lose? Let's just try to apply like my full mind to just accepting, to trusting this, this person and accepting his words as truth. And during the therapy, like there were times where I was like, is this real? Is this really what (laughs) this is? And as a mental practice, I was like, let's just accept and surrender to it. And let's believe that it is. Let's Mm -hmm. believe that I'm replacing the traumas with lessons. Let's Mm -hmm. believe that uh, when you snap your fingers and say that it's out of my body, I'm going to choose to believe that. And... You know, in between each cycle, when I was walking around the pool as part of the ceremony, I felt it lift. Like it was, it was like I would always come back kind of smiling, and <laughs> it was really powerful just to see that. You know, you hear different inspirational people and self-help people always talking about the power of the mind, the power to to choose to make your reality. And uh, I pay a lot of lip service to those messages, but, you know, we always are better at giving the advice than accepting it ourselves. So um, this, this, this therapy work I did with you, it really underscored just how powerful it can be to, like, apply your mind and choose to mm-hmm. believe and accept it. And I'm really grateful about that. I think that anyone who's curious about you know who's who's been looking into healing that is one uh, modality i would recommend i'm curious how how did you you know start this work how did you find yourself how did you first get into timeline therapy that was another point where i was in a very dark hole yeah (laughs) (laughs) and then i i traveled actually to thailand and did uh, nlp course what is that for people who neurolinguistical don't know? programming okay um and i did it there cuz i mean i think in the states it's like $40,000 and yeah. there was like $15,000 mm-hmm. still a lot of money but more more i'm just going to move this guitar cuz it's yeah, it picking up my voice uh-huh here you can keep going i'll put it down on the chair yeah, and in Thailand there, I studied NLP, and I liked it, so I did up to the master, and one part of that is Thailand therapy. And in the course, as practice, we did it on each other, and I saw 
same like you said, yeah, come on, you must be kidding me, right? <laughs> <laughs> is, that, is that all there is here? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> But I, then I felt so effective, that mm. therapy, and it was so incredible. I mean, it was just, when we did it, it's just talking, basically. Yeah. At the end of the therapy, and we did like a couple of emotion at a time, I felt like I ran a marathon. Mm. Like I was exhausted for releasing so much inner blockage and yeah. traumas. Suddenly, wow, that's tiring. And yeah. then also sometimes you say, wow, what is that space in me now? Right. Yeah, it's basically that space of negative emotions which were gone. And you can now fill it with positive things. How beautiful. How, how old were you when you did that? That was like seven years ago. So I was 22. No, no, just kidding. I was 41, yeah, like 41 when I was 41. Nice. That's beautiful. Like just the, uh, I think like one of the most like limiting sayings is like you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Mm -hmm. Like we tend to put that on ourselves so often. Like I know that, uh, Even in my like early 20s, there were times where I felt like such an old man, like I just that limiting of opportunity. And I was like, oh, I feel like like I would be in this headspace of like, I can't change. I'm like stuck. I'm in this zone and I feel so young right now. <laughs> I feel like a little kid again. You know, it's it's really delightful. <laughs> I remember actually my my NLP teacher saying one of the first things saying to us is like that we should look at the world like a puppy mm. and I always have that resonating in my head and it's so beautiful say actually it sounds simple but it's so incredible deep because a puppy has no prejudice has no uh, judgment it does not know It watches and feels and sees what is new. So that way you can learn new things. That way you see the world in a total different way as a puppy. Like not putting all your experience and not putting everything in your mind you have through that vision. Just watch as a, like you never know anything like your little baby and see something for the first time. Right. Impressive to learn. Beautiful to see things you have not seen before. Yeah. Because you look at a not prejudice through not prejudiced eyes. It's amazing how, like, I, one of the thoughts that keeps coming into my mind and has been, like, as, you know, this last year I've been engaged in many different kinds of therapy and I always think, like, what would happen if I just, my, like, history just went away? Like, if I just stopped remembering the past and I tried to just be, with the future mm -hmm. or I mean not the future with the present you know not worrying about the future but like if I uh, like who would I be if I forgot my history or all my trauma you would live right <laughs> life would go on right uh, no but you would really live yeah because before that we normally survive yeah after that we live yeah it's <laughs> a good one yeah for sure yeah because like you uh so much of our behavior is limited by these inhibitions and from these learned experiences. And like, we've all been in that situation where you have a dream, you know, maybe there's a pretty girl or maybe there's a option to do something like, you know, if we all realized that we were dreaming, 
if we're all lucid in our dreams, well then how much fun could we have? Right. Mm-hmm. But, but, uh, I'm always struck by how much my inhibitions can carry over even into a world where I have a hundred percent control of everything, you know? And what, what world is that? The dream world. <laughs> okay. You have hundred percent control also? <laughs> well, theoretically, maybe I could, you know, like what are the rules? I don't know. And, and, And again, and that can go both ways into the real world as well. I mean, every, you hear, you know, almost every like incredibly successful person kind of has that same message. It's like, well, I just believed in myself and I just kept doing it, you know? And I think that's a great lesson. It's at times inaccessible until you actually experience it yourself. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I believe, yeah, we have control 100% over our life but with our reactions we can't control events events will always come but we can the only thing we can control is how we go towards those events what mm. we do with those events and that's 100% our life that's 100% what we can do is how we take in those events so make them nice make them nice <laughs> exactly um, I want to take a little bit of a left turn with you if if you'll permit me let's go When you were traveling, when you were younger, what was your philosophy towards travel? You know, if someone's li like, and, and how has that changed? Like when you think about traveling now, like why do people travel? Why should people travel? You know, what is this idea for someone who's never actually done it before? Like, what do you think about that? For me, the travel is experience to gain experience, other people, other cultures, other places. Um, and I travel. I don't do take vacations. Mm. I travel. That means that like, you go and throw yourself into the community and into the new country and be open to the experience. And I think that is what made me grow. Actually, all over my life, I only work to travel. <laughs> okay. Basically, my work is to travel. <laughs> And um, that's the only thing we take with us, you know, experience. Right. I mean, things they today here at this table, tomorrow it's gone. The couch is here, tomorrow it's gone. Everything here, gone. The only thing which stays with you is that experience. Mm. So might as well invest a good amount in that experience. And even that experience make us grow. I do not think I would achieve what I've achieved here if I would not have traveled. That was my education. That was my college. That was everything. My travel for me was I, I didn't even finish high school. <laughs> mm, really? Yeah. <laughs> Which in Europe is even a bigger deal, I think, yeah, than in the States. Like, I wanted to, but in last last year they threw me out because I was in the, <laughs> in the girls' area. <laughs> I was in a boarding school. <laughs> okay. So then I said, yeah, okay, it doesn't have to be. I go traveling. And I had so much experience, learned so much traveling and yeah. practical experience. Mm -hmm. You can really apply to life. You see different things, different ways of doing things. You get tolerant. You get open-minded. Um, it, is, it is magic. Travel is magic. It really is. It's, I feel very similarly to what you just expressed. And I know that in my own life, it's been like the single greatest source of self-knowledge of like learning about what I really value, what I care about, what I'm interested in, mm -hmm. what my life looks like. If I cut away all the bullshit, like, like you said, throwing yourself 
into a new culture. It's like this opportunity, like today I'm going to be a completely different person. Like you have this option of like, maybe I'll talk with a funny voice for a whole day (laughs) and just see what happens, Mm -hmm. you know, and you can do that. There's no friends to question that. Mm -hmm. There's no bosses to fire you. It's, it, it is like this pure, almost a uh, sandbox where you can really play around with whatever, mm-hmm. you know, type of experience you want to have. And I think that like, if I was going to say that I had a religion or some sort of spiritual practice, the deepest one is like just that, that practice of going to a town that I don't know. <laughs> and, uh, we are the same religion <laughs> and being there. Yeah, yeah. Welcome brother. Yeah. Hare Krishna, you know? Um, yeah. Like, what would your advice be to someone who maybe wants to travel, but is like maybe intimidated or doesn't know where to start? Like, do you have a practice or did you have a practice? Like if someone's like, yeah, I want to get out there, but like, where do I go? What do I do? Like, is there any, any advice from such a wise and experienced person as yourself? The magic happens outside of the comfort zone. Okay. And when we, where we live is our comfort zone. We have everything set. We have think we control everything. We know everything, but we will not grow there. Where we really grow in any case, either home or traveling, is when we're outside of our comfort zone. That's where the growth happens. Okay. And by traveling, you put yourself in a semi-controlled way out of your comfort zone so you can grow without falling in your life or something and learn a lot and see different cultures. And I would recommend... On this moment, check out which country is open. Right. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good point. And then just go. Go. Don't build up an expectation in your head Mm because expectations always bring into bad positions. And be open. Be open what's surrounding you. Be open to the experience. And also see what people do and that maybe put you in a position where you can doubt a bit about yourself and the way you live and the way you're doing something maybe improve maybe not maybe it confirms that you're doing the right thing right. but just be open to what other people's ways of life are beautiful yeah i like to tell people just buy the ticket mm-hmm. and usually everything else works out i you agree know, with you, you set the date you buy the ticket you're going mm-hmm. you worry about the other things but once you have that going like life has a funny way of shaping to, you know, suddenly things fall into place, opportunities arise. And I like to make a plan, like a general plan before I leave. And the moment I get there, I throw it away. <laughs> Cause you know, this one of the big, biggest lessons I learned when I was traveling in India, I had this itinerary. I had talked, I went to my teachers. I went to my family friends. I, I'm so lucky to have grown up in a community where so many of my teachers had done the same thing, had, had spent their, you know, a, a significant portion of their life traveling and could pass along those stories and could, you know, to a young mind like myself could give me the, the option that that's a, even a thing. So I went to a lot of them and I was like, I'm going to India. I know you lived there, you know, like where should I go? What should I see? So I made a map with all these points and I had this path chosen and, and I was in India for a couple of weeks and uh, 
I remember this moment. I was on this tropical beach. I'd been there for like three nights. And I met all these beautiful people. They were so friendly. Seven different countries. They're cooking, making the delicious, you know, vegan Indian food on a just an open fire. And uh, and I was like, oh, but I have to go to Goa. Like that's on my schedule, you know. Doesn't matter that I'm on this beautiful beach that you have to take a boat to get to. Like it's called paradise. You know, it doesn't matter that I'm surrounded with people that have like opened their hearts to me and they're my family now and love me. I had in my mind this structure of like, no, but I got to go to Goa. (laughs) And uh, I remember, you know, I had given myself, I think maybe it wasn't even three nights. I think maybe it was one night. I wasn't even going to go to the beach, but I went for the day and, and I saw a guy that I had taken the bus ride with and he was in a hammock on the tree and I took the water taxi there and as I was about to leave on the water taxi out, he was just like, hey, mate, like, should buy a hammock and join us. Australian. Uh, it's my attempt at a British accent. <laughs> okay, that was British accent. <laughs> uh, but uh, as I left and as I watched the shoreline receding on the back of the boat, that thought bloomed in my head and I was like, maybe I will buy a hammock. Four bucks in the Indian market, so... The next day I went to the market, I bought a hammock and I went back to the beach and him and his girlfriend were there and they welcomed me. And, uh, the next day I met that family, but I had in my mind, I have to go to Goa. Like uh-huh. that's on my list. And so then that night after meeting all these people, I packed up all my things cause I was going to try to t- take the bus and this wave of sadness just hit me and also anxiety. And I was like, Whoa, like what's going on here? Like I realized that the, the, I looked around, I realized the only thing that was stressing me out was myself that nobody else cared if I went, that nobody else was holding me to this idea that I had. And so I packed all my stuff. I said goodbye to everyone. I went back to my stuff and then I like called out to everyone. I was like, I'm staying another night. And everyone's like, yay. <laughs> and then the next day I didn't even bother packing it up again. <laughs> and I stayed for 11 more days and like, it was, it changed the whole course of my trip. And it really was like a period of time that I get to now carry around in my mind for the rest of my life to draw on, to remind myself the lesson. Uh, those kind of things are what traveling to me, like that's, uh-huh. those are the jewels that you get to collect and put in your bag as you as you move through the world sounds beautiful and actually what you do is beautiful because uh, i love to do the same i do the planning and then when i get there i throw it away and then we have an advantage we actually get two travels for the price of one right once when you're preparing at home in the imagination right. I go, go go there go there go there <laughs> you have all that happiness all that excitement yeah two weeks before you're actually traveling and then you have the real travel which is probably totally different than the one you plan I'm sure but man you've got two excitements for the price of one that's a, a double ticket yeah um why did you pick costa rica like what about costa rica you know attracted you and what you know, you could be go anywhere. You're a traveler. You know, mm-hmm. you know that the only thing holding you you in a place is your mind. So, of, of of the whole wide world, why Costa Rica? Good question. I was in Costa Rica two years when I was 18, so I actually knew Costa Rica a little bit. Yeah. And then when I left the sailing trip, when I left Europe with a boat, 
I was actually looking for a new home. I said, I'm going to start a new life. I don't know where. I'm just going to put my dogs in the boat, <laughs> my luggage, and yeah. let's go. That's why it took three years. Were you by yourself when you set out? Sometimes with people, sometimes by myself. Uh, I, I always had my two dogs with me. That was the reason, actually, I got a sailing boat to be yeah. able to do it with them. Nice. And uh, but it's crazy to do it alone, so yeah. I was not very responsible when I did that. But then with some people, with met new people, you get, you know, it's like you get to a port, and then somebody appears. I want to go there. Uh, okay, you can come with me, and it's impressive how how much beautiful, interesting connections you can do. Yeah. After like three years and really, I think it was like 30 countries almost, I passed through visiting and saying, okay, nice, beautiful. I loved them all. They were all amazing. None of them really attracted me to stay and to live there. I ended up close to Panama at one point after three years. I was also a bit tired of sailing and money ran out too. Yeah, <laughs> So then I said, you know what, <laughs> I'm close to Costa Rica, I've been in Costa Rica, uh, I know the type of life there, I think it's the one which resonates to me most. And still now, I'm probably in like over 80 countries, which I know, I love them all, I think they're amazing, but there would not, not be another country I would rather live in than in Costa Rica. Hmm. Respect to the nature here, the living type of living live and let live type of philosophy especially up here in the jungle yeah <laughs> um the pura vida the nature the mm -hmm. water i think it's just a win-win in this beautiful amazing country hell yeah pura vida like that's something that everybody hears i think it was in my high school yearbook like a bunch of the surfer guys from high school like i remember looking in the u.s it's like a tradition in our yearbooks uh, when you're a senior, your last year, mm -hmm. you get like a big picture of your face and then underneath you can put like a, a quote mm -hmm. or some words just to like be remembered by, you know? And like, I remember, I think it was my older brother's grade, at least like 30% of the kids had Pura Vida. They went to Costa Rica. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. What was your quote? I came up with my own. I thought I was so clever. It was... Uh, don't waste your life preparing for it. Live it. Well, are you doing it? <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Good job. Yeah, I did waste a lot of years, though, preparing for it. Uh, or maybe not, because I learned a lot. But um, but to you, what, is that, what does this word mean? Like, what is Pura Vida? Pura Vida, translated literally, is pure life. And that's what it is here, you know, like mm -hmm. no stress, no hustle and just live the moment, be aware of the moment, be where you are. And that's Pura Vida, that's the pure life, to mm -hmm. be aware in the moment, not in the future, not in the past, just mm -hmm. be. And they do that really good here in Costa Rica. Yeah, totally. They're, everybody's so happy. I mean, that's kind of the undeniable thing when you come here is like almost, I mean, every Costa Rican I've encountered is like so friendly and mm -hmm. so clearly like happy with their life. Mm -hmm. My the driver Chino gave me a ride out was telling me that uh what is it all the energy here is from renewable mm -hmm. sources? Yeah, I think 98% is wow. renewable source, yeah, That's... water energy, uh, hydroelectric, uh Geo thermal, geothermal too wind and solar wind solar yeah so that in itself you know to be able to say that you're living in a country that is not 
contributing to the global pollution mm-hmm. that feels must feel pretty good and i know as a californian coming here like in california we've been in this massive drought so it's all like water save water take short showers you mm-hmm. know finger wagging and i mentioned to her to, to a couple <laughs> too much water like yeah. it's coming down every day you know uh that's you know the abundance of water you know is uh really can change the psychology of the people that are living in it you know, as we were talking about dune the other day like that, mm-hmm. that's one yeah. of the big messages of that uh-huh. of that book in reverse you know is this uh-huh. culture of people uh living without water and um the uh it's a powerful message you know what what uh when you first were when you first got here you said that this place was like a uh, just a cattle ranch right like yeah i remember i know today i took a tour of the farm and Cairo was so great was telling us the story talking about how the soil here was like very thin eroded totally eroded uh-huh. when you showed up were you did you already know a bit about permaculture what was that what was that you know how did that adventure unfold we when i arrived we first started with the hotels do some rooms and then actually i passed over to this part of the property gotcha and i said how big property how nice not one tree let's plant 10 trees i planted 10 trees 2 years later they did not grow mm. they stayed the same size so then I got curious because I see down in the jungle everything grows so fast and way up here it didn't grow. That's when I did that permaculture course. It was a beautiful experience. Was that here in Costa Rica? Yeah, Punta okay. Mona, a very famous, good place for that. An intensive course. We lived in the farm. We ate from the farm. Mm. I thought it was such a beautiful experience that I decided to apply it here. And yeah, the first thing we did is basically mulching plants, certain plants which recuperate the ground, the soil. And now, now I, I, funny because now people come, wow, you're so lucky. You have such a ground, such a good soil here. Say, well, that was not there. That was made, right? But yeah, after this year, mulching and just letting nature be basically, you know, uh, it's impressive, fertile ground. And what is what is permaculture for people that may not have heard of it before? Permaculture is permanent culture, which is uh, basically we in uh, intensive agriculture, we have certain times where we have some crops and we change, we have the crops. In this, they go by themselves. You plant plants in a certain way where they do symbiosis, one helps the other. I've got one plant who gives phosphorus to the ground. One gives nitrogen. The other one takes nitrogen. The other one takes phosphorus. So one helps the other, and all together they make this beautiful ecosystem. Mm. So you're like using nature's natural propensity to promote biodiversity, to pr- promote like a stable system. Yes. And you're correct. applying that to. Like almost like a human context in a way. It's human too. Same, yeah. same. Actually, yeah. Every one of us has its sense in the world, and um, 
I think Einstein said if you tell a fish to climb up a tree, well, then it's a stupid fish, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> But if you have a fish in the lake where it's water, then it's amazing, importantly, in the ecosystem. Yeah. So we all have our spot in this world and our strengths, and together we do the strengths, together in symbiosis and community and solidarity, we can really do big changes in the world. That's amazing. Yeah, and it's amazing to see, like, just uh, how fertile this place is, you know. And You guys are, what, 11 years into this project now? Yeah, 2009. 12 years into this 12 project? 12 years, right, yeah. And uh, what? what's the, is there, like, a frontier of what you're pushing against? For Do you have projects in the future that you're looking forward to to making happen i know this is an ever-changing place i have the project the master project to make a healer community yeah uh, i wouldn't push towards that because if i push towards it i'm not doing the right thing mm. i should flow towards that mm -hmm. and that's what i'm doing it's just hearing feeling the flow but it's coming by itself you know we build it i don't know have you seen the movie fields of dream Yeah, with Kevin Costner. Yeah, I always remember. I was a kid when I said that you build it, they will come. Right. And this is what happened here sort of thing. We built this beautiful place and suddenly all this different type of healers come and mm. different amazing people come and they make the place even greater and everybody gives a little bit and puts a little bit, you know, like you, the podcast, some other video and all together we made this beautiful place. Actually, it's not me. It's right. just they're here like holding on but <laughs> all the others and all the surrounding all the people coming they give me ideas they give something and it's it's amazing it's a beautiful growing ecosystem yeah you have so i've noticed about you you have such a uh amazing ability to say yes <laughs> i can tell like you're part of your practice like because there are so many dreamers that come through and everybody like you can't come to a place like this and not have dreams mm -hmm. that, that come up and I think that that is a real like leadership skill that is super valuable is thank you say yes and inspire people mm -hmm. I see excited people coming up to you and like hey like can we do this let's mm -hmm. do that mm -hmm. you know like like you said it is that is in itself permaculture right it's this self-propagating mm -hmm. ecosystem of dreams and like the substrate is this you know this these facilities that you've built and um it's been interesting for me you know as i've gotten older and as my like my tastes of living have changed a little bit the types of places that i gravitate towards have changed as well you know when i was younger i was a big partier mm. I was looking for the party, you know, and and there's a lot of travelers that are. Mm -hmm. That's a beautiful thing. I all the power to them. I, I, uh, I mean, one of the messages I like, if I could put out, and that I will put out, continue to put out, is like, if you're looking to travel and party, go for it. That's awesome. But be intentional that that's what you're going to do. Mm -hmm. like, look for the spots where that's the focus. Yeah. You know, and. Uh, Because there's a lot of other spots out there too that are for people that like 
Yes, if I think everything is basically modeled for some point yeah. uh, and maybe then change a bit in my mind. But basically, I would say all the traveling I did, seeing all these years, different things which work, which doesn't help me to apply it here and um, had wonderful models and people who showed me the way and gave me advice and... Yeah, I'm very grateful for all those experiences which actually helped me build this up. Are there other communities that you're aware of in Costa Rica that are similar to this? I don't know how much similar. Um, lately, I've not been really going out so much into other... I was when I was younger and yeah. a couple of years ago, so I, I'm... Yeah... But there are some in, in Costa Rica, I think Punta Mona, there are some, Costa Rica is a very good country for that. Many dreamers come here to realize and to make some kind of eco-friendly and awareness, uh, balance in nature communities. So Costa Rica is pretty high up in that intention. I mean, the country gives you the chance, the place, as you said. 98% renewable energy, uh, so much water, so fertile soil <laughs> in some places. Yeah. <laughs> um, so it actually attracts the right people. And no army. And no army, you're right. It's pretty powerful. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I didn't know about till I got here, but I heard that. There's no military. There's no resource being put in war. Uh, that's a pretty psychedelic idea. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What's your favorite part of this place, if you could choose one? Is there like a special part of the property that you find is like, feel like is your your zone or the place that you gravitate towards? I'm very introvert, so probably my house is one of them. <laughs> <laughs> it's like my little shell. Me, yeah. It's my little shell. Yeah. <laughs> but I know I think every little place is beautiful. I love it. I would. I had that question a couple of times, and I cannot really answer. Mm -hmm. And I would say I would offend probably the property if I choose one place. <laughs> <laughs> it's like choosing between children. Yeah, exactly. Do you have any children? I have one son, yeah. One He's son, 13 yeah. years old. Oh, Eddie. awesome. Mm -hmm. Where does he live? In San Jose with San his mother Jose. right now. Okay. What does he think of this place when he comes out? Ah, he out? loves it. Yeah. He has a blast of a time. Yeah. Yeah, all, what a he, fun he place to, oh, yeah, to grow like, and yeah. get to grow. Now out. he doesn't come so often mm -hmm. because of the COVID time it was and school right. and so on. But before he spent, he grew up here basically That's and he awesome. loved it. Yeah. It's Hell a good yeah. place to grow up. Yeah. It's cool. Like one of the things that hit me. I was so lucky when I landed in San Jose and then when I was talking with, with you and Jairo and arranging transportation here and, you know, whether it was fate or whether it was your guys's, you know, 
wisdom you matched me with this amazing driver mm-hmm. chino who's not like totally my friend uh but who gave me like you know it's like as i've been diving into my own creative practice i've become hyper aware of the people and that's kind of the theme of this whole podcast you know the people that are choosing to make their life a work of art mm-hmm. you encounter them in every field and every occupation and every pursuit there's a way to do it that's kind of asleep going through the motion doing the cycle but then every now and then you encounter those people that are like very awake and doing it intentionally and choosing to make it be that themselves and and put their own flair and their own flavor on it and riding out with chino like talking to him costa rican guy i've never really met a costa rican before and uh he just started explaining the country to me as we're driving through it and stopped at a beautiful little, you know, truck stop stall that was his friend. And we ate some traditional food, which is really good. And the thing that I was struck talking to him is the culture here, uh, because there's been so many decades now of travelers coming through and such a, such an openness from the indigenous population to, to welcome and to interact and teach and learn from these people from all over the world. What I saw in this Costa Rican man, as I talked to him on the drive was like a, the effects of what that looks like for a country. Like, you know, Costa Rica is largely based on travel and tourism for its economy. Right. Yeah. Big, big time. And you see the effect of that on the psychology of the people who are all the time interacting with dreamers, with travelers, with people coming here and being so happy that, you know, the the land is giving this bounty and the people who live here know it. They live it every day and then they get to share it with these people. And, uh, you know, for myself coming from the West, there there's a strong narrative that a lot of people hold, I think coming to a country like this that there's that it's always like an extraction that like if you're from the west from a developed country coming to a poorer country coming to a less developed country whatever that word means you know Mm -hmm. that in some way there's like an exploitation or a colonial mindset or a uh that you're extracting something for your own benefit Mm -hmm. and that that has to be a one-way street Mm uh and I've heard that, you know, as I've traveled myself, I'm asking myself continuously, like, when I move through a place, am I only taking, am I giving back? What's the effect of my footsteps in this country and this culture? And how can I be uh, more interactive so that I can learn, but so that I can also connect genuinely with people? And so coming here, like, this was this amazing moment where I saw, like, the wisdom of an entire people who uh, who don't necessarily view it that way. Like I, I meet a lot of people who are like, no, like we love that we get to meet people from all over the world. We love that people come here to experience this bounty. We love sharing it. It, it isn't like a, a one directional, just rich white people coming and explore. I'm sure there's people that come and do that, but like being able to see, I think that at times there can be almost a hubris almost a patronizing 
of people in like the U.S. or in Europe of thinking like this place must be a place of victims because colonialism. Mm. Um, but you come here and people are like, Pura Vida, my like, <laughs> no, like come surf or come. You're mm. you're helping me feed my family by coming here and investing in the community and and vice versa. Like we can learn from each other. It's such mm-hmm. a beautiful ethos. They're very heart open people, Costa Ricans, and they make this place special. Not only the geographic position or, or the or, or the ecosystem, but the people. They make it very special, Costa Rica. Yeah. I mean, yesterday I was at a at the the sky, you know, the sky lift or the the, the zip line place, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, I'm talking to the guy, one of the the guides who works it, you know. And uh, I think, in especially in the U.S., um, we've lost in a lot of contexts. Uh, a sense of dignity in a, in work that is not glamorous. Like if we're just working an hourly wage, we're like in the service industry. A lot of people feel like it's a loss of dignity from going into those lines of work. And the, and especially with social media, everybody's comparing themselves to others and to millionaires and actors and athletes. Uh, but I'm talking to this guy and I'm like, this guy has so much dignity and he loves his job and he's happy. And I, everyone I hear I've met, regardless of what they're doing, uh, they're doing it with that mentality of like the Pura Vida energy that like they're all contributing to this wonderful culture. And mm-hmm. you see it with the, um, like the technical schools that are government funded, the, you know, you, I think about someone like your, our wonderful chef, Marvin, who like went on this path and got trained as a chef and now makes these delicious meals for everyone every night. Mm-hmm. He's such a bundle of positive energy. And um, I think that all is kind of representative of what we've been talking about. Just this, the people here have a sense of dignity as well that has Yeah, I mean, serving, I heard once they say, it's like, who serves is king. <laughs> so you can totally be, have your dignity and serve and do it happily. And we all serve at one point somehow. And if you do it with heart, it's really fulfilling. Like healers, for example, I think healers often is more selfish, selfish thing. We mm. heal because we feel good about it. Mm. So it's a kind of serve which actually builds up up and makes us feel good about it and it's beautiful to serve. Yeah, I mean, I guess it wouldn't be sustainable if it didn't make you feel good, right? Uh, Yeah, that would be harsh. (laughs) Yeah, 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 you must feel good about it. You gotta gotta be really enjoying it and and that in itself is kind of an analogy for this dynamic been talking mm-hmm. about that like everybody's feeling good good here so it's easy to help each other and mm-hmm. it reminds me in a lot of ways especially this region of Arenal, like of the valley that i grew up in san Geronimo valley in, in west marin county in the bay area northern california just 
very rural and kind of a slower life, you know, where like nine o'clock is late, you know? <laughs> yeah, it's like here, right? <laughs> yeah. Living in a city, I feel like, like to me, the marker of the country living versus the city life is like, how late is 11 o'clock? <laughs> you know? For here, very late. Right? Totally. <laughs> I've, I've, I've noticed, you know, but... I think part of it is when you're in the city with the electrical lights and you have so many brains that are active around you, like the, the time feels earlier. Mm-hmm. And when you're out in nature and it's like a couple hundred people maybe, most of them are going to bed, the sun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think we pick up on that with our own minds. And, and that's kind of, it quiets you. It's easier to go to bed early. And, and about traveling as well, I think that, that a lot of people benefit from is lessening the artificial stimulation of your mind, like giving your brain a, a, a little time to disconnect from the singularity, hive mind, of the internet, of the entertainment cycle, TV, video games surfing the web. Uh, I, I find coming out here, if you don't j- just have your phone at your side, I've been trying to make the intention on this day, keeping my phone in my room as much as possible. Okay. My brain will go to that place of like, oh shit, I'm getting bored. Like, maybe I should reach for my phone. And then if I can just get past that initial urge, it's like, well, I'm not going to go to the phone. So now what? Maybe I'll learn a song. Maybe I'll walk in the forest and see what I see. Maybe I'll, you know, make some art or talk to a friend or connect. Uh, I try to tell people, you know, it really only lasts, I think, you know, between 24 and 48 hours of missing the stimulation of being connected Mm -hmm. to the internet, to, to all these devices. When I go camping, it's usually like two days to turn off that thirst. Okay. And then I'm like back in the moment. Mm-hmm. And I always feel when I go back this like profound anxiety. When I turn that phone on for the first time and all the messages start rolling <laughs> in, <laughs> you know? It's like, oh God, like what am I getting back into, you know? Have you done any like digital fasting or have you ever played around with any of that stuff yes i mean i don't i don't i'm not so much on my phone here it's basically like a tool if somebody calls me Mm -hmm. or something um but yes normally when i travel i do the same i have it here because i mean some maybe the reception calls me or somebody needs something of me well, once I'm traveling, I I totally disconnected and it's maybe use it as a camera, but that's right. It. Document and and all that. Nice. Well, I'm wondering, you know, for people, let's say let's say people have listened to this conversation, they're starting to get excited. Is 
anything that you would say to people that uh, maybe are thinking about coming here, are curious about like uh, what this place is like, what sort of preparation they should do if they do choose to come, uh, or what they should expect uh, upon arrival? What can we give to people for their minds who may be thinking about visiting Essence? We can tell them to be prepared to go and be part of a beautiful ecosystem, which we always belong to, but we forgot about it, mm -hmm. and feel that reconnection with nature, with the ground, with all living creatures around, also humans. I don't know if you noticed, you're a while here, people come in one stage and like after three days, it's a total different thing, oh, yeah. you know, <laughs> beginning to come like with mask and with shield and with like social distancing. Next day I see them all, oh, fuck the mask, <laughs> hugging everyone. <laughs> uh, yeah, it is. And yeah, to be open and uh, let this beautiful, natural energy just flow into you and feel it and enjoy it and see how that feels. Mm. And maybe they choose to do a change to be closer to that natural way of living. It's beautiful, man. Yeah, it's one of the one of the big thoughts that's come to me in the last couple of days about this place is what you've created here really is this this context where it's like just being here is so healing and calming and by coming and staying you're kind of going to have the opportunity to learn about some new possibilities for going inside for introspection for healing things that you might not have heard about. Uh, there's a lot of healers who come here, mm -hmm. but it's different than going to like the masseuse down the street in your city, you know, going to visit a, an energy worker in the next town over. There's something about being out here in a self-contained zone where it's like everything it is like the permaculture of it all. Like everything is contributing to uh, this cognitive soil, this social soil, this communal, communal soil, like healthy. Like I, you want to be healthier when you get here mm -hmm. and you see the people that have been here a little while and how happy and healthy they are mm -hmm. and how welcoming they are. It's not like anybody's pushing mm -hmm. uh, an ideology or a behavior or anything. It's more like there's a place for you at the table if you want to come sit, mm -hmm. you know. And I think that that really does feed into the the therapies that you guys offer here. Like I, I do think that doing the timeline with you, uh, getting the massages, like the general vibe here, the general energy here just lifts that and boosts it and you may go do a specific therapy, but getting to come back into an already warm pool of human experience, it's really synergistic and it really does provide like this beautiful context. 
I mean, here we have all the elements, right? The volcano, fire, the ground, the water, the <laughs> air, all, all, all elements are here. So just being here is a healing. Even if you come and don't do any therapy, you'll be healing. Right. <laughs> right. That's, yeah. And that's, that's the, you know, that's the truth about traveling as well. Mm -hmm. It's like, you start to see that there really aren't like wrong decisions. No, there's no wrong or right. No. Yeah. Wrong. Like wrong mistakes. You no. know, like the classic traveler's uh, axiom, like, the worse the experience, the better the story. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Nobody wants to hear about your nirvana, you know, like on the mountain peak, right? Uh -huh. Like it's a cool story, but uh -huh. like what everyone wants to hear about is the time that you got yeah. stuck in the mud, you know? <laughs> Absolutely. And when people come here, I love something. It ends up being part of the tribe. It's like a tribe here. Mm. And I know if you notice your couple of days here, like yeah. we got people coming. Simi, do you meet Simi now? I did. She was in a retreat. Now she comes for a month. Right. And people just come back and we stay in contact and we make a kind of tribe. Mm -hmm. it's, it's a beautiful, it's a really nice experience. I feel so blessed being able to be here and being able to greet so many impressive, beautiful people. Hell yeah, dude. Well, I think that's an amazing place to end it mm -hmm. right there. Like we did a nice little hour, Beautiful. hour 10. And, uh, I just want to say like, I'm really, I really appreciate you giving me your time and With pleasure. giving us your you story me. coming on. And, uh, you know, I think I got a, a little under another week here and excited to be. So, and you'll come back and I'll come back. <laughs> no, I mean, that's the thing. Like, You know, one of the things that I've realized is when you are in this mindset of traveling, you, it's like waking up from the matrix mm -hmm. yeah, and you want to get back to it. Mm -hmm. And then you go back to your country, to your normal life. And it can be very like grab hold of you again. Mm -hmm. You know, like I did India like four years ago and I was like, this is going to be what I do. Like I'm going to get back out here as soon as I can. And then okay, this happens and that happens. The next thing I know, it's been four years, mm -hmm. but now I'm back, you know, but one of the things that is important to keep in mind is just how accessible places really are. Just mm -hmm. buy the ticket. Mm -hmm. like, and get there. Yeah. yeah, like, it's like from the U.S., it's not that hard to get here to all my U.S. listeners, maybe a little longer from Europe, but really we're talking about, what, like a day or two that you have to go through travel from the U.S., I think the first place away is five hours, no? Yeah, five. it was like a five, six-hour trip. So pretty easy, pretty affordable. Um, so really, there's no reason not to uh, begin your own voyage, all my fellow would-be travelers out there. Um, the last thing I'll ask you is, what is the best way for people to learn more about this place, to... How do people get in contact? How do people interface with Essence, R&L? Can we maybe give them some information about that? Yes, a pleasure. I mean, we have our website, EssenceRNL.com. Okay. It's our website. We have Facebook. Mm -hmm. We have Instagram. Essence RNL is well represented. And yeah, yes, contact us and we'll be welcoming. Yeah, and I will say they are very welcoming and you guys were so sweet in making me feel welcome even through the 
the digital connection of WhatsApp. You know, I, I was I came here already like feeling like there was a place for me, and that really uh, just influenced the whole experience. And we feel honored to have you here. You're a very special and amazing person. You have a great energy, and I felt that from the beginning. And it's really beautiful to have you here. Thank you very much. Thank you so much, Nico. Pura vida, everybody. Pura vida, family. Greetings. All right. Hell yeah. Um, apologies. Apologies. I don't know where my mouth is today. <laughs> apologies with the... I think there was a little bit of buzzing maybe coming through. I need to get some new mic cables. It's becoming clear and evident. But... uh so much thanks to Nico for coming on on the show. Um, really was great to sit down and talk. And um, I know he's a busy man, so... Mucho gusto, amigo. Gracias for your presence. Um, all of you, please go check out Essence.com and uh, see if it inspires you. I know as soon as I looked at the... At the offerings that they have here, I was like, yes, this is for me. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. This is exactly what I'm looking for. And it has not disappointed. I've been like showering in a waterfall every morning and doing yoga and waking up early and the food here, I should say, is just amazing. They have an amazing chef who makes all the meals vegetarian style. Um, so, yeah. Uh, you know, my philosophy, get out there in the world, go travel, find yourself in another culture, uh, have some experiences, eat all the food, do all the things. And above all, my friends, be kind to yourself.